Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm starting a new podcast today called Gavin with Gab, and this is episode one. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Gabby joining you live with Gavin with Gab, and this is episode one of my podcast, and we're diving into ritual dance. African dance and divine motion is the first chapter that I'm going to be talking about. It is by Fern Cocker. I don't know if I said that correctly. Um, And this was published in 2003. So this chapter starts off with, um, to break out of cultural biases, you have to experience another person's culture. Um, This sets the basis for the chapter as we dive into another culture we have to do more than just read about it we have to experience it we have to live it we have to do everything to embody this culture in order to understand it um another thing that stood out to me in this was ashe which equals the living power uh activated by embodiment of a divine universal force Um, And I related this to one of the pieces that I did in a previous show um, called Intertextuality, where we did talk a lot about this. Uh, Yorba is the movement vehicle of divine nature expressed, and this was brought up in this chapter a lot. And they go into depth talking about the special technique of them wanting to pay homage to their ancestors and this is connecting them to earth um it starts off with the salutations uh that they discuss in the beginning uh and this is in reference of african dance classes uh to celebrate a divine in oneself and then others this also uh talks about later on is appreciating the culture um like I said in the beginning, you have to do a lot more than just read about it. You have to just do a lot more to understand it. Um, letting go of your safety and familiarity, uh, surrendering your mind, body, and spirit. Um, and this movement is what I'm discussing technically, the movement um, of this specific African class that this author is talking about. Um, it's a fluid range of movement, it's normally parallel, there is polyrhythmic motions, and bent knees. Um, knees are always close to the torso, and your limbs are always exploding, so it looks very energetic, and what seems like simple movement is actually very, very difficult, because there's a special technique to this, and these people embody it because this is what they were born doing. Um... Dancers focus on movement through the space and through uh, different elements of uh, weight changes, and there's lots of density and rebound. Um, The rhythm and motion resides in a symbiotic relationship, so these two separate things are actually very intertwined and they play off one another. Um, This is also a chance for you to gain awareness of the spirit and body itself um, through this 
dance practice. Um, and then a quote that I took from this specific chapter is the act of repetition confirms and enforces elements of rhythmic drive, Mother Earth and Father Sky. And it really stood out to me how repetition is how they've engaged in this practice. They continue to do it and they embody it and they teach it and they continue it on from generation to generation, continuing that repetition. Um, anything that was not written was technically not a codified dance. Um, so codified meaning like ballet and jazz, those are more codified dances per se. Um, but this specific type of dance is not codified. It's just something that's known with all of them. They kind of play off of one another. Um, and another quote that I took from this is African dance described as primitive, simple, crude, savage, um, hedonistic, or idolatrous in nature, which hedonistic is engaged in the, like, pursuit of pleasure, and then the idolatrous, sorry, that was bad, um, is more of just worshiping a specific idol in their ritual dance. Um, This also goes on later to discuss about um, people that heavily influenced this and not so much of like, say, a positive way, but more of uh, taking something that was not rightfully theirs or twisting it and making it not what it should have been. And one of those people that it talks about is Thomas Dartmouth Rice, which is more famously known as Jim Crow. And he did blackface, almost imitating and making a mockery out of these spiritual, ritual relationships to dance. Um, So it was perceived very differently to the white audience versus these people that have um, done this dance for their whole life and it's been continued through generations um another thing is that there has been so much taken from the african culture um just like african art had influenced pablo picasso in this which i thought this was a very interesting fact because we think of pablo picasso as someone who was influential on other artists but he had influence from other people as well and I don't think we acknowledge that enough is that he kind of took something without really giving it credit um another person Earl Snakehips Tucker uh his hip gyrations that he often used and he had like this fun bent legs um a lot of sexualized movements or so they think is sexualized but it's really not intentionally sexualized um influenced Elvis Presley and that move with the twist that everyone knows so well is actually (laughs) taken from him because Elvis Presley was influenced by him but obviously we don't hear about Earl Tucker as much as we would hear about Elvis Presley um so African dance um is definitely not a movement for the movement's sake, Um, but I took this from the reading. Um, But the embodiment of poetry, history, community, and transformation. So there's much more to it um, 
than just the surface level that we see other people constantly taking away from it and never actually giving credit to it. Um, they often use dance, music, costumes, and masks um, as devices to preserve their uh, cultural values. And a lot of these ritual dances do involve the masks. Uh, they have cowrie shells. Sometimes they have these pelted belts. They have um, all sorts of unique things that um, embody their culture. Um, they connect the human spirit and mind, um, body to a kinetic interpretation of, uh, abstract natural forces. And then another person that was one of the most influential, but in a positive way, was Catherine Dunham. And she was an anthropologist that went specifically to go study these, um, ritual dances, which was really cool because... She didn't want to just read about it. She wanted to experience it. She wanted to live it and embody it, um, which is rightfully so what you should do in order to understand these, if you have the opportunity to, of course, because there's not always um, that accessibility to everyone. But I think it's strongly encouraged, and that's what she did. Um, and it was her personal passion to study like voodoo dances um, is one of the sections that I read about. Um, the main purpose is to define, define human connections to the universe. Um, so the gods, rituals, laws, and that's what these dances that she observed is like what it's all about. Um, later on it talks about more specific dances of like ring shout, um, which is basically a prayer meeting that's performed in like a circle, um, and there's a lot of call and response and like connection with one another and none of this is rehearsed this is this is truly in its natural state for these people um and yeah for the next chapter that we're talking about this one is called um performing trauma and it's the ghosts of slavery in yoruba um music and ritual dance uh so this is going on to the second half of my podcast um and the author of this one I know I'm probably gonna butcher um but it's Alan to June Alan to June oh I'm gonna say that I don't know if that's exactly correct um but this article goes so much in depth of the history of African slavery um and popular culture have begun Okay, sorry. I'm not going to cut that out, I guess. I don't know how to. Um, (laughs) Anywho, rather than ignoring uh, slavery, they use ritual dances to discuss these hard things. Um, And like I said, this wasn't codified technique. This is how they portrayed um, the history, uh, slavery, Um, anything about warfare, um, anything about kidnapping, like, there's so many, like, things that they've portrayed and, like, trauma that they've used in these pieces, and although we don't necessarily have as much access to knowing about it, it's something that you have to experience on, like, in their culture, in their 
setting. It's just something very personal. Um, so in the 1600 and 1900 was important history of the Yoruba land and how it was involved in the slave trade. And this is kind of setting up um, the slave wars that were going on. Um, this was just discussing uh, the trade and the operations and the violence that was caused during this time for them. Well, slave trade has been ongoing like after this as well. Um, but during this specific time. So this later on talks about specific pieces, um, which I really do appreciate in this article how it had um, the actual words that were spoken of the, I don't want to butcher it, um, but spoken of the culture. And then they have the English versions of what it would have translated to, so it makes it a little bit easier to understand, um, know what exactly their ritual dances are about. Um, But some of them are... um, after like the triumphant process uh carried out by like supporters um we're praising a king um and talking about the politicians there's just so many different things that that's just like one of the first ones um there's other ones that are talking about like a warning sign for people um the Oran Oran Yan, I'm so bad at pronouncing these. Um, they have is a specific festival that they talk about these, not necessarily talk about, but perform these slave-related themes. Um, talking, I keep saying talking. That's so bad. Not talking. They're performing these things, as I said earlier. Um, where this one was even more intense is that performers would pounce on. Uh, children in the audience to kind of pretend to seize them so it's basically teaching in a different way than we would learn here Um, and I've related this to myself is that my parents would teach me something by verbally telling me this and these cultures in Africa they teach them by kind of experiencing it with them uh, performing it and they grow up learning these things. It's kind of like common knowledge to them. Um, there's other ones that are talking about uh, diseases and illnesses and evil that's destroying them. Uh, very spiritual things. They believe that these dances can help. Um, depending on, there's so many different types of these ritual dances uh, done for the disease, done for warfare, done for politics, done for uh, being married, like, there's so many different ones that they do, um, and it's very interesting how they each have their own, like, techniques and customs of what they wear and who's, like, the caller and, like, people are responding and people just kind of go with the flow with it. It's never really, like, planned, um, and I think that's very interesting. Um, some other stuff that I have from this specific one is, um, 
sorry, my notes are a bit jumbled, is it talks about more of the costumes and what they use for this, uh, for different dances, because all the dances that this uh, chapter talks about, these ritual dances, there's multiple different ones, there's not just one, and there's different, um, I don't want to say like tribes, but different um, groups of people that do different dances. So some of them are very special to certain ones or like the festivals that they do these at um, to perform these pieces. And then, yeah, there's just like a lot of correlation between the music and the movement in these things. And it's not a special type of kind, like technique in the movement. It's something that's, easy for the other people who are there to experience and pick up and they just kind of go with it um and the music obviously adds another layer to it explaining these things and just making it almost easier to tell their stories versus actually having to talk about it because talking about trauma is hard so why not find a way to talk about to bring up trauma other than doing it through their movement and it's another form of language to them that they can use and it's like a safe space is how I've interpreted it at least. Um, so yeah, there's this chapter literally goes on for five ever about all of these <laughs> specific dances and what they go into. Um, but I just named literally a few of them. There's still more about wars there's more about um, returning safely, uh, being held captive. There's so many different um, songs in this. And this isn't even, the funny thing is, is that this probably isn't even a third of what these pieces are. There's so many more um, ritual dances that the cult these cultures do that we are not exposed to or that we do not know about and this is just the surface level of them and what I've talked about um and in the end I really did like how the memories of slavery this was a quote from that saying memories of slavery are entrenched in local cultural practices and periodically remembered in music song dance and ritual enactments um so this embodies what their culture is altogether, and how they practice it and how they continue on to tell the story from generation to generation um and yeah I found this super interesting and I think it's really great for us to be educated on a different culture and how they relay messages versus how we relay messages because it really puts things in perspective of how their lives are very different than ours um but they still use a form of communication that we sometimes use, which is dance. Um, so it's interesting to make those connections. And I really enjoyed this reading.